You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. A blessed afternoon to all. Good afternoon. We praise the Lord because we have this moment again of gathering, honoring Him, and praising His name for what He has done. And when we say those words, what He has done, we are pertaining to not just provision of anything that we have in life, but for giving up His life for every one of us. And because He has given His life, I believe He's not giving up to anyone. He has run after us, caught us by His grace, and that is why we are here today. Now the text that we have read was written by Prophet Isaiah. It is a very significant text in the entire Bible because Isaiah 53 is known to be the most quoted chapter in the entire Old Testament. Most quoted by the New Testament writers. It is very important. Why? Because out of the text, there is something that gave hope to those people living in the past and at the same time giving us hope even in the 21st century, giving hope to everyone. And this time, as I am delving into the text, I remember those days when I was leading the National Youth of the Alliance. We had a gathering last 2006 at Lagao Gym. We gathered around 4,500 young people from all over the Philippines. During the opening night, we were expecting the mayor to be there with us to give the welcoming and the opening remarks at the same time. When the event took place, as we were expecting for the mayor's presence, we were surprised because somebody went up the stage and it wasn't her. And we were informed that he couldn't make it. He just sent someone else as a representative. A representative was sent to speak on behalf of the mayor. When sin confronted the whole world, when it asked for something in exchange for the mistakes of humankind, someone came and stood on our behalf. And that is the very servant mentioned by Isaiah. Actually, the text that we'll be looking at starts with chapter 52, beginning with verse 13 up to chapter 53. That would end in verse 12. This is called the suffering servant. It was like a controversial thing to discuss theologically as to who the suffering servant was because the event took place when the Assyrians invaded the northern kingdom. You know, just a little bit of review of the history. Israel had a monarchical system. And the first monarch, the first king that served Israel was Saul. Chosen by the people. When Saul became astray from God, he was replaced by David. After David, Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom was divided into two. We got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was composed of the ten tribes. 
The southern kingdom was composed of only the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. The ten tribes called themselves Israel, that was the northern kingdom, while the southern kingdom called themselves Judah. So during the time of Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the son of Solomon and his general, they, had, they were reigning already. One reigned on the north, the other reigned on the south. These two kings of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom were succeeded by wicked individuals. And you know what? If you look at the arrangement or the peace and prosperity of the Israel, of the Israelites back in those days, the prosperity, the safety of the land, the progress of the land depended so much on the relationship of their king with their God. If the king lives a wicked life, then the whole nation is affected. If the king would go and run after other idols, then the nation is going to be affected. So the reign of that particular human king is directly, directly affecting the entire nation. And that was the thing that was happening back then. And because of the series of wicked king on the north, there was already a, a prophecy that God is going to use a foreign nation to invade the northern kingdom. And later, God really used the Assyrians. The Assyrians invaded the north and destroyed all of them and scattered the Israelites to every place under the Assyrian powers. While that thing was taking place, Isaiah was touched by the Lord to give his word in a form of prophecy to the southern kingdom. I'll make it clear. The invasion happened at the north. They were invaded by the Assyrians. While the invasion took place, God sent Isaiah to speak to the south, to those people living at the southern part of Israel. And when that happened, Isaiah prophesied to them that if you are not going to change your ways, particularly addressing to the king, I believe, if you're not going to change your way, if you're not going to heed the, 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 the laws, the statutes of God, then you're going to be experiencing the same thing as the northern kingdom experience. But the people were hard-headed. The people weren't listening to the prophecies. And so God, through Isaiah, spoke to them. On the years to come, I am going to send to you another nation. And that's going to destroy. That's going to destroy your place. They are going to, to live in ruins, the walls of your cities. And that's exactly the thing that happened later. And Isaiah was pertaining to the Babylonians. Because as the Assyrians were invading the north, Later, there was also another powers, the Babylonians, that was being raised by the Lord to become the powerful empire in the entire world. And the Assyrians became weak later, and so the Babylonians took over and invaded the south. Out of that prophecy of judgment, God, in His very gracious nature, did not just leave them with a the bad news. You know, in our time today, you open your TV, you put on your radio, you read your newspaper, 
look at your Facebook wall, on Twitter, Instagram, you would see other than those people visiting other places, you would hear and read bad news. There's a lot of bad news in the world today. Well, God gave a bad news to the southern kingdom occupants at that time, but he did not leave them with the bad news only. After giving them the prophecy that he's going to destroy the southern kingdom, God told them to the prophet Isaiah, but after that judgment, as a very gracious, loving, merciful God, I am going to send to you a Savior. I am going to send to you somebody who's going to lift you up from your condition. And as Isaiah was mentioning those words, I believe he was thinking about a political leader who's going to reign back then. And he's going to bring back the people into their land. And if you look back history, you would be able to see that the persons, the persons were used by the Lord to bring the people back to their homeland. But as Isaiah was thinking about that political leader, as the writer of the Old Testament prophecies were penning it down and thinking of that political leader in the eyes of God from his perspective, there was something bigger that was happening back then. There was something bigger that is about to take place in the future beyond the eyes of the prophets can see. What was that? He was not only talking about a political leader who's going to free the Israelites out of their Babylonian captivity, but he was thinking someone, somebody as I shall say, somebody who is powerful than any kingdom, powerful than any empire leader. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Christ who's going to come into this world. As the prophecy of Isaiah was ringing in the ears of the people back then, they were thinking of a political and temporal deliverance. But in the eyes of God, as he was letting Isaiah speak forth those words in his mind, he was thinking about a universal, universal salvation. And that is not only temporal, but eternal salvation. And the persons couldn't give that. Who could give that? Only the Messiah that would come into this world no other than the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the people were thinking about this. How could that happen? Because if you look at the prophecies of Isaiah, they couldn't reconcile as to this figure that are mentioned here. Because this figure, if you are going to imagine about the political leader, the first verses of, of the chapters that we are considering right now, beginning with chapter 52, beginning with verse 13, you would see there that this servant, this leader who's going to give the redemption, will be exalted. Well, if you think of a political leader, naturally that person is exalted in the midst of his constituents. That's not something that people would raise their eyebrows about. Okay, that's not something unusual. It's usual. If you see a political leader, that person is really exalted in the midst of his constituents. Kaya nga, pag may dumadating na politician, nagtatraffic sa Sambuanga eh. Bakit? He's exalted by his supporters. That's a natural thing. But what the people couldn't reconcile when Isaiah started mentioning with verse 1 of chapter 53, listen very carefully of this kind of servant. He said here, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot. We should, that, that uh, he has no stately form or majesty, that we would look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. 
He was despised and forsaken of men. Oh, wait a minute. What kind of political leader is this going to be? People couldn't understand this kind of servant that is pertained to by Isaiah. Maybe they had someone in mind, but in the mind of God, he's a different person. It continued here. You look at verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. We understand this today, each of the line. But people back then, as they listened to the voice of Isaiah, they could not. What kind of servant is this going to be? Because Isaiah, along with his listeners, they were thinking of a political, temporal deliverance. But God, in his absolute mind, he said, I am going to deliver not only Israel, but I will include the Gentiles. And that deliverance is not going to be a temporal one. It has a connotation that is eternal. It's a salvation not only in the physical and political aspect of my people, but it's going to be eternal, spiritual, in the whole being of every person. God is going to redeem his own people. And so if you look at this, as they couldn't understand the message, God was making it clear because if you look at the writings of Matthew, Matthew quoted chapter 53 of Isaiah. If you look at another writers in the New Testament, not only Matthew, John also, Luke also mentioned one of these verses in chapter 53. Paul, when he wrote the book of Romans, also mentioned one of the verses here in chapter 53. And so was 1 Peter. So looking at these New Testament writers, they always went back to chapter 3 of Isaiah, not pertaining to that political leader that Isaiah was thinking about. All of the New Testament writers, when they mentioned about Isaiah 53, they all pertain to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the New Testament writers already understood what God had in his mind. The people living back then during the prophecies of Isaiah, they didn't have that in their thinking. But the New Testament individuals already understood it. They saw Jesus. Jesus already was crucified. He already has set us free. He has already pronounced deliverance. That is why when you look at the last portion of this chapter, you would see a servant, not a political leader, but a suffering servant. And if I'm going to trace one after the other, those descriptions of the, of the suffering servants, I have listed 17 items out of chapter 52 verse 13 up to chapter 53 verse 12. Here are the items within the list. Listen very carefully of the descriptions of the suffering servant. His appearance is marred more than any man. Well, look at your Bibles in chapter 52, verse 14, so that you would really find it out that it's from the Word of God. Second, he has no stately form or majesty. That's in verse 2 of chapter 53. He was despised and forsaken of men, 53, 3a. He, was, he is a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He was despised. 
He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was scourged. He took our iniquities. He was taken away by oppression and judgment. He was cut off out of the land of the living for his people's transgression. He was buried with the sinners, verse 9 of chapter 53. He was crushed and was put into grief. He will bear the people's iniquities. He poured out himself to death. He was numbered with the transgressors. That's in verse 12 of 53. And then lastly, also in verse 12 of chapter 53, he bore the sin of many. Of all those 17 mentions of the suffering servant, you know what I have observed? Almost all of those items were done by him on our behalf. I'll pick up those lines that included that idea. He did it on our behalf. He was despised and forsaken. He did it on our behalf. He experienced sorrow. He suffered with grief. He was despised. He was pierced through. He was crushed. He was scourged. He was oppressed. He was judged. He was numbered with sinners. He shed his blood. He died. All of those things were done by the Messiah on our behalf. If you think about all of these things, we are what we are today because of what he did. We are secure as we feel it, as we know it today, all because of what he did. We know where we are going to be when, this, when death would confront us, all because of what he did. Because he stood before the whole world at the cross on our behalf. And that was the prophecy of Isaiah. And that's the message of the Lord for us today. Everybody say this line, on my behalf. I'll read a line and please respond to me with that line on my behalf, okay? He was despised and forsaken. He experienced sorrow. He suffered with grief. He was despised. He was pierced through. He was crushed. He was scourged. He was oppressed. He was judged. He was numbered with sinners. He shed his blood. He gave up his life. And that's, that's the reason why we celebrate Good Friday. He stood on our behalf. I have never seen a political leader Sending a superior on his behalf. Never. If he's a mayor, he's going to send a subordinate. If he's a representative of a certain department and he cannot make it, he's going to send someone else. But you know, our leader, our Messiah, he said, I'll go on behalf of my people. And when he was confronted by death on the cross at Calvary, he said, I'm not going to retreat. I'll go through it on behalf of my beloved people. And I am praying that our hearts will be filled with gratitude for what he did. For we are what we are today 
because he stood on our behalf. He suffered, he bled, and died for you and for me. Shall we bow down our heads as I lead in prayer? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your son, Jesus. His grace is exemplified fully at the cross at Calvary. We who are sinners are the ones who deserve to be there. But Jesus came and offered himself to be crucified on our behalf. What a beautiful Savior he is. We won't be what we are today without your death, Jesus. We would not have any confidence about eternity if not for the blood that you shed on the cross. We will never overcome fear if you have not stood on our behalf. That is why words that we utter wouldn't be enough to show to you how much grateful we are. Thank you. Thank you for coming into this dark world and willingly dwelt in our midst and without any fear you face death to stand on our behalf. The gap between us and heaven is too far that there is no human scheming that can bridge us. That there is no human wisdom that can bring us back to God. But when you came, you changed everything. That is why we live today with confidence. That is why we live today rejoicing even over pain. That is why we live today with comfort because we have a God who died for us who fully understands suffering and grief. We have a suffering Savior who's reigning now as King. Thank you, dear God. Thank you. We say this in the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. As the praise team would continue to play the music. Let me read to you again Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 to 6. And I replaced the pronoun in a singular pronoun. First, person singular pronoun Jesus was despised and forsaken of man a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and like one from whom men hide their face he was despised and we did not esteem him surely my griefs he himself bore and my sorrows he carried 
Yet I myself esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. And the chastening for my well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, I am healed. My, I was like ship that have gone astray. And I have turned to my own way. But the Lord caused all my iniquity to fall on him. Blessed be the name of Jesus. You just heard the message from Zumbuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekayak Ministries. See you there!